Turn in your copies of God's Word to Daniel chapter 1. I was going to end with this, but I decided to start with it in Daniel chapter 9 because of that song we just sang about what Jesus has done. I want to start with Daniel chapter 9. You don't have to turn there. I just want to read it for you. Sorry, Daniel chapter 7 and 13 and 14. It says, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That text is talking about Jesus. The moment that Jesus ascended to the Father, which this is called, this calls the Father the Ancient of Days. He ascends to the Father and the Father gives Jesus, the Son of Man, all authority. All throughout the Scriptures, the, throughout the entire Bible, and throughout all of history, um, there has been a war against who's the supreme ruler? God? The God of the Bible? His name is Yahweh in the Old Testament? Or all of these other kings? And that is still going on today, whether on a national scale or in our hearts. But we're reminded that Jesus is the supreme ruler. So let's read, let's, let's flip over, let's talk about Daniel chapter 1. This past weekend, I was on dinner duty, and one of the things I had to cook was potatoes. So I pulled out my phone and I did an internet search, how to boil small potatoes. Because I wanted to know how long. I, I, I didn't know how long. I couldn't remember how long. And so in, within a matter of 15 seconds, I found out that you need to boil them for 15 minutes. And they were perfect. We ate them for a couple of days. And I, I like how-to videos and blogs. I'm sure you guys do too. I don't know what I would do without them. Um, I guess I would probably call my mom a lot more frequently. And, um, but Daniel... The book of Daniel can be, it's kind of like a how-to on how to live faithfully before God, particularly in persecution. Now, we may or may not face persecution. We may of varying sorts, but there are peoples all across this, this globe that do face persecution today. But, whether we're facing persecution or not in the United States of America in our lifetime, we do need to learn how to live faithfully before God. So let's look at the text here in the verse 1 of Daniel 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, let's pause there and let's remember what's 
happening. Brandon, Pastor Brandon, last week preached on Habakkuk, and I want to read that to you. I want to refresh us on what we talked about last week. Habakkuk 2, 4 and 5 says, Behold, his soul is puffed up, and it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, like death. He never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. The word there in Habakkuk was a prophecy to what we're reading about right now. The puffed up arrogant man is King Nebuchadnezzar. The righteous who will live by faith is Daniel. What's happening here is the nation of Judah has disobeyed God so much that God is giving them away into into exile in Babylon, which, if you remember the covenant that he gave uh, in Deuteronomy 28, is that if you will obey me, you will be supremely blessed. But if you disobey me, you will be supremely cursed. We've seen that over and over again throughout the story And here, finally, they have sinned so much that God actually gives them over. So verse 2 says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, that's King Nebuchadnezzar, with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Okay, so there's a word picture here happening. God gave the king and the vessels of the household of God. So there's a picture of that God is holding his people in his hand. We have seen throughout the history of Israel and Judah that the only reason they existed was because of God, because of God's hand of power. The only reason they were sustained this far is because of God's hand blessing them. God has given them over. That is a sad reality that actually happened. So God is giving the king to Nebuchadnezzar along with some of the vessels of the household of God. There's this exchange happening. God's glory, and he's given it to the godless nation of, of Babylon, which he promised he would do if they continued in disobedience, which they did. By the way, the ancient Near Eastern people were highly religious. The, the nation of Babylon was highly religious. I'm not sure if we're highly religious as our culture. I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm talking about the culture that we live in as a nation. I'm not sure if we're religious. I was trying to figure out what is the one-to-one correlation of... Maybe you can discuss it in your, in your small groups. What is the God of America? I wonder, I wonder what is the God of America? I'm not sure. Maybe it's uh, self-actualization. The the idea of, that is out there of manifestation of, well, if I think it, I can be anybody I want to be. I can do anything I want to do. Maybe that's the God of our, maybe there's a lot of gods 
in our nation? I'm not sure. That's food for thought. Go think about it. What is the God of, of, our, of, our, of our, or the gods? So Babylon, they had many gods, um, and they looked to their gods for provision. They actually worshipped these idols, and they actually believed that they would provide success in war, food, um, uh, fertility, all of these things that they needed, they looked to the gods to, to, uh, get, to provide those things for them. And so they saw their capture of Judah as Yahweh is not God. Uh, Belmarduk is God, and he is stronger than Yahweh. Yahweh might be a God, but he's not as strong as our God. So that's happening right here. The, the, and by the way, this is an abomination to God. This is not good. God is using wicked Babylon to punish Judah, but wicked Babylon will also be punished for, for doing this, for placing themselves above God. Verse 3, Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, Youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. And among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah, and the chief gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. What's happening here, guys, is there is... The king is indoctrinating them, submersing them in Babylonian culture. He wants to change their identity. Even to the point of changing their names. These... I wanted to read you their names. Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means Yahweh has acted graciously. Mishael means who is what God is. And Azariah means Yahweh has helped. All of the Babylonian names that they gave them had to do with worship of the Babylonian gods. There is a complete transfer happening all the way around. And this is what the text is pointing out. They are trading the glory of God on their lives and their identity with Yahweh and their worship of, of Him with Babylonian culture. They're being indoctrinated in Babylonian culture. And this is the epitome of arrogance, which we, talked, we read from last week in Habakkuk, that the arrogant man, he takes what's not his and he wants to just build his own kingdom up. Uh, which is, is human nature to, to go that direction if we're not submitting to God. But notice, I wanted to point out in that, that in verse 7, the chief gave them new names. And that as sad as it is that their identity is being taken away from them, all their culture is being taken away from them, God did not give them new names. The Babylonian chief gave them new names. Their identity before God has not changed. However, their circumstances have changed. 
So, the question for the Judean young men, how do I live faithfully to God in Babylon? Or the question for us, how do I live faithfully in Alabama? Verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to to defile himself. So why would the food and wine be a defilement to to the Israelite or the Judean boy, uh, young men? Why would why would they be defiled? Well, the uh, the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, did prohibit certain foods from being eaten because those foods would have been eaten by these other uh, nations who worshipped these other gods. So they were prohibited. However, wine was not prohibited. So what's up with that? Also, they would have been, they undoubtedly would have been offered in worship to these false gods. These foods would have been. God said, don't eat foods that have been worshipped to false gods or offered in worship to false gods. But I think it's that plus Daniel and his friends are going, okay, we're being given new names. We are being given a new place to live. They're trying to make us eat new food. They're literally, they're, they're having to learn the education of things that were listed in the law as abomination to God. The, the things listed, the... Um, the literature in the language of the Chaldeans would have included uh, sorcery, um, deal, stuff dealing with the, the worship of, of the stars and the planets. And they were learning all of this stuff that God said don't do. They're just being completely indoctrinated. So they, they pick, I think they pick one thing to try to preserve their identity and They're just trying to be faithful to God. They're like, how in the world do I be faithful to the law of God in this land that's completely godless? So, Daniel and his wisdom, it says God gives Daniel wisdom. He asked the chief to allow him not to defile himself, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. As an illustration, I wanted to read a text from Deuteronomy 10, which is the law. This is a section talking about the heart of the law. And this is the attitude that Daniel and his friends are trying to have in a strange land. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in His ways, to love Him to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. And that, that's just what they're trying to do. So they're, they ask permission 
They don't demand. They don't say, Chief, I will not eat your food. However, they did say, I will not bow down to the God, the false God in, in chapter 3. So there's a difference here. They're asking permission. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. He's being gentle with, he's being gentle with, uh, with the chief. And God gives him favor. God blesses him. God blesses them because of their obedience. Verse 10. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord my king who assigned your food and drink. Why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who were of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Okay, here's an idea. Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So, after, uh, so the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. So God blessed them. Calorically speaking, they should not have been fatter than the guys who ate the delicacies, right? They're, just, they're only eating vegetables and drinking water, yet they were, they were actually bigger. They weighed more at the end of the 10 days. God's providing. He's blessing them. He's blessing their obedience, God's covenant clearly said to them, if you will obey me, I will bless you. And God's just supernaturally blessing them here because they're trying their best to serve God in a godless nation where godlessness is being pressed upon them. In verse 17, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. One other thing I wanted to mention. How did Daniel find the courage to stand up to the chief who... Clearly, this king was not afraid to wipe people out. Daniel could have, they all could have lost their lives for being squirrely and not submissive to, and who knows, maybe it was offensive that he wouldn't take the food. How did Daniel find the courage to, to ask to not eat the king's food? By his faith. He found courage by his faith in God. Because he knew that God was able to provide, that God had provided in the past, and he's able to provide now. And if God wanted a, them to 
continue to be obedient to the law and to not defile themselves, that he would make a way. Also, this idea of defilement, for them it was to, uh, to abstain from certain foods for, for them. What about for us? What would defile us? Um, and this is a call to live faithfully to God, to live obediently to God. The book of 1 John says the, our flesh, we are tempted by uh, the desire of our eyes, the desire of our flesh, and the pride of life. We too are tempted every day with sin. The question is, are we going to be faithful to God and not defile ourselves with sin? With bad choices? With, with a submission to the flesh rather than, rather than to God? And so if the Spirit of God is putting on your heart in a moment, whoa, watch out, watch out, you know? Listen to the Spirit, yield to the Spirit in your life because sin, well, it's not good. And the Spirit will warn you. And yes, there is forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. But we know that we still have the opportunity to sin every day and uh, we want to be encouraged to live faithfully to God. And what we see here is that God does provide. And we need to be reminded that God is our provider. And we, we should ask ourselves, what, who, what God do I serve? Who is my God? Who is my provider? What do I look to prov for provision? Do I look to God? Is my faith really in God, the God of the Bible? Do I really trust Him for provision? Or do I trust myself? Or do I trust you fill in the blank? And finally, I want to close with a reminder of what we read at the beginning, that Jesus is the supreme ruler of all. And in chapter 9 of Daniel... Daniel's praying. He is in an intense season of a lot of apocalyptic dreams that, by the way, are awesome, but you won't understand what they mean. But you should read them anyway. Daniel prays for this people here in chapter 9. He says, Lord, I have sinned. We have sinned. Please deliver us. And here in, in verse 23, it says, God sends an angel, Gabriel, to speak to Daniel. And he says, the, the angel says to Daniel, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out in the spirit realm. And I have come to tell it to you. For you are greatly loved. You are greatly loved by God. That word right there encouraged me, and I pray that it would encourage you today that as you are trying your best 
like Daniel, to faithfully live before God in this culture, in, this, in your life. He says to you too, if you are genuinely trying to serve and obey Him, you are greatly loved. He hears every prayer that you pray. And He sees you right where you are. So let's be encouraged today to live faithfully to God. To acknowledge that God is the supreme ruler in Jesus Christ. And to live by faith, walk by the Spirit. Guys, let's pray together. After our prayer, the band will play. And I'd like to invite you to respond. Responding to the Word, the Word of God demands a response. The response could be, you repent of sin in your heart. Maybe you say, God, I'm sorry. I, I want to change. And I, I want you to forgive me of a certain sin. Maybe it's you, you, you have a certain way that you need to pray. Uh, maybe you need to come kneel down and pray. That is certainly open to you. But as the band plays, you respond to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we're able to read it. Thank you that we're able to meditate on it. We pray that as we go from this place that we would, in our groups, meditate around on your word and that you would continue to give us wisdom and that we would be obedient ultimately, Lord God, to you. That we would grow in our obedience and that we would grow in our faith. And just like Daniel, in a, in a time where faith and obedience to you was really difficult. In fact, they were persecuted. Lord, I pray that you would give us courage to live faithfully to you. Trusting you to provide. You and you alone, Lord. Uh, oh God, we worship you now. Jesus, we're so grateful for your blood. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the relationship that we have and can have through you. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.